tuned into this episode of Pacey Performance Bite Size. So this clip comes from Alec Natera and episode number 392 and we have a little chat around isometrics and using isometrics specifically with youth athletes and different special populations. But just before we do dive into this episode with Alex, I want to say a big thanks to Rock Daisy for sponsoring this episode today. So if you're interested in a free platform to be able to collect, analyze, visualize and present data to coaches, check out AMS Lite from Rock Daisy at rockdaisy.com. Perfect. Love it. Right. Next 20 minutes ish, we're going to talk about programming. So I think that's where people get that's where people get super excited um, when it comes to isometrics. So long-term athletic development. So with either young athletes or less experienced older athletes can obviously fit into this long-term athlete development um, program as well. So where do isometrics fit for these guys? I know Luke Jenkinson came on the podcast. And I think you spoke to Luke maybe a few years ago at Derby County when he was in the academy. And I think he's doing his doctorate in this area as well with with uh, with youth athletes. And he was getting super excited with the exposure that he could give to his youth athletes from a from an isometric training standpoint. Um, so I'd love to get your thoughts on uh, LTAD and and where isometrics fit. Yeah, good. Um, so I had some experience for a few years also working with uh, more youth based athletes. Um, I was invited. That's where I met Luke, I believe, over in um, in the UK to talk um, with the performance at the time. I think now the LTAD network <clears throat> to discuss this. So it's really specific around you know isometrics. One of my talks was around isometrics for for the developing athlete. <laughs> so let's let's have a look at what these development athletes are like. So at the moment, you know, what's our thought process? We're trying to develop a movement library with these athletes generally. And we're trying to, you know, teach them you know, the, the the ways of training, if you like. I sound like Yoda there, the ways of training. Um, and <laughs> trying to develop, we're trying to develop certain skills in them and so on. And we're spending a lot of time with technique and so on. But with these developing athletes, particularly if they're, dare I say, higher performing developing athletes, their sport demands just going whooshka. It's gone from being a little baby, you know, mucking around doing whatever you're doing with sport to really serious training now where they pull from pillar to post with club demands, school demands, playing multiple sports and so on. And this is just going through the roof, but yet we're busy doing hopping holes and we're busy, you know, squatting overhead with a dowel and we're busy doing all of this sort of stuff, which is all great stuff that needs to be done, but it's not actually solving a problem. And the problem will be the load that's going to go through the roof, the demand that's going to go through the roof in these athletes um, and not having them ready for it. So so what do we do? We end up going, okay, you get your gun ho guys who just want to push harder. And you see these on Instagram too, where you push those athletes, young athletes and the young developing bodies harder. And we know all the great, great research from Rodri Lloyd and John Oliver. And we know that it's the right thing to do to load athletes up, young athletes up, and, you know, load them up effectively and progressively. But let's be honest, none of us are going to, grab a young 14-year-old athlete in who's a soccer player and we're not going to be hitting them um, with substantial loading that's going to make a significant change to what they can tolerate on the paddock and the multiple sessions and so on. 
plus whatever we are giving them, we now have to try and balance it with the club footy, um, whatever footy there, plus run, running around the playground with his mates, plus you know having rubbish recovery and eating rubbish because he has to be at school and just have a ham sandwich rather than the nutrition we might want a young athlete having. And so you've got all these compounding factors and you're not able to give the requisite load an athlete, a young developing athlete actually needs to get better and protect themselves. And that's why isometrics become a really important factor. There are two reasons. One, you're gonna get more of a stimulus out of your isometric training than you will out of your traditional training for these young developing athletes. As in, they'll be able to hit higher numbers of force outputs than they would in their traditional training. And by default, give more muscular tension and tension tendon through the tendons by doing this. So therefore, you know, have a greater stimulus to increase adaptations at that muscle tendon level to help them. Um, but then on top of that too, you, you're giving them an exercise that requires little skill development. So, so instead of battling away for three or four years to get some higher quality squatting movements, um, bear in mind powerlifters battle with 10 years of developing mastery in a squat, um, Instead of doing that, you're actually just putting them into a, a position and just go go as hard as you can. And you wouldn't necessarily do that first off. You'd progress that as well. And we go into that again um, in the course, <coughs> um, how, how we progress that. And, and and you do, you do apply holding as well. And you do all these other, uh, other ways of putting a program together for them. But again, they're getting more load. They're doing it with less skill demand um, while they're getting pulled from pillar to post and learning skills and learning tactics from their coaches. You don't have this cognitive load on their heads as well. They can still do all the exercises as a warm-up, even a, even a cool-down at the end of a session, but you're never negating the fact that they're getting this high tensile load through soft tissue and also a high neuromuscular output. And that's the key. And that's why it's so actually so useful in the developing athlete, let alone the advanced athlete as well. So it works the, works the whole spectrum, so to speak. So at what, at what point, I mean, this is, I just want to make sure that we're obviously stating this. I know you would want me to reiterate this, that traditional strength training is, is still a continuous part of the young athlete's development. It's not going, okay, we're going to bin all that. That's, that's that. We don't need that anymore. We'll just drag all this isometric strength training in. This is, this is running simultaneously. This is running side by side. As always, no matter who we discuss, whether it's the advanced athlete, whether it's the um, the young athlete, uh, I don't know, whether it's uh, various different populations, these are running side by side. It's not an either or. We do, we do like an either or in our industry. As humans, we like an either or. We like a black or white. But this is this is definitely in the grey. This is mixing the mixing both. Just want to reiterate that. Absolutely, yeah, it's mixing both, and there's um. <clears throat> Uh, we might come on to this in a second, so I won't talk too much about it But now, but there's ways, very, very simple ways of keeping both in the program, prioritizing one more than the other. Um, but there's only, oh, actually now it's grown. I was going to say there's only a few times where I've completely moved traditional training, um, but there's there's actually a growing amount of times I have, but that's very much based around the athlete, not the sport, but, but the athlete. Um, you couldn't, I mean... I don't think a, a good program would remove eccentric work. A good program wouldn't move, depending on the sport, wouldn't move plyometric work um, or have them in different phases. A good program wouldn't move concentric biased work. I mean, acceleration is concentric bias. If you accelerate in your sport, then you probably need to be keeping that in in some regard. So all of these components go together. It's just how, how we put them together. And this just happens to be one 
really good um, type of stimulus for for running prowess. And Danny's also just released an article, you know, perfect timing on comparing plyometrics versus isometrics in, in running and, and, and showing that isometrics and plyometrics both um, uh, important or, or have the have a positive effect in running performance, but with uh, running uh, with with isometrics having a um, more impact in running economy. So you know, essentially saving yourself some some energy if you like. So um, so yeah, there's they, they exist together. It's just a type of um, type of training, and I think I think people are disappointed when they come and visit us um, um, and they see a program of mine in the gym, and they're looking and they're seeing that like three quarters of it is. Yeah, you know, doing some sort of heavy traditional lift and doing some explosive lift and doing the plyometrics and they go, when's the ISOs? And then they see an ISO right on, they go, oh, there's an ankle ISO there just for, you know, whatever, five sets of whatever, doing whatever with whatever load. And they go, oh, I just assumed I was just going to see ISOs everywhere. Um, now in a different time, in a different space with a different athlete, if they look closer, they might see one athlete in a squad of 46 players doing far more isometric work than anyone else. Um, and it's because they, they might have a certain prowess already in that lift. Um, it might be because we're managing their their output, they're managing their, their stresses and therefore getting a different, uh, an easier stress to recover from. Um, and it's probably a point I should point out here too. I hear this a lot and I, I do have people comment on how neurally taxing isometrics is, right? That's such a blanket statement. Um, neurally taxing isometrics is... It's because the prescription is not correct. So you can prescribe isometrics, like Bob Hoffman prescribes isometrics, 10 second all out maximal ISO push, then that is hugely effective, um, negatively effective to the neuromuscular system uh, and the nervous system. You will fatigue off that. If you're a really twitchy athlete, you know, a, a supercharged, you know, high-twitch high, high fibre athlete, uh, fast-twitch fibre athlete, yeah, you can burn yourself out if you're doing uh, pushing isometrics, multiple reps of five to six seconds, absolutely. But there's this, there's this, um, there's this variable that I introduce in the, in the course about, it's called repetition duration reserve. And it's about working out how much you could do for maximal isometric effort or even a 60% effort holding with a certain load, whatever that maximal time is, if you then cut it back to have a bigger reserve based on the durations you're giving someone, you then fatigue less, but you get the same stimulus. Like you don't get the same stimulus, but you get the same outcome. The adaptations are the same. So, you know, we look as low as, you know, 10 to 20% repetition duration reserve, which essentially means you might have held something for two seconds, but your capacity to hold something might have been 10 seconds long, but you've only operated in that two second and relied, left yourself 90, 80 to 90% reserve. So therefore you don't fatigue off the back of it. I've digressed here. I'm starting to go different places. I'm sorry. But um, it's just to, just to clarify the fact that some people do think it's usually um, exhausting to the nervous system. And that's just a blanket, something they've read generally, or they've tried it and they've gone an all out effort for eight seconds or six seconds or 10 seconds and then not really add much left in the tank after that so being clever and i'll, I'll teach you how to do this to, to prescribe it effectively to be able to recover quickly off the back of it still to get a high stimulus to the neuromuscular system to have, cause a great adaptation off the back of um so we'll cover that as well did i answer that question then mate? no yes yeah yeah no absolutely one thing i want to pick up on is that that fast fast twitch um highly reactive type athlete i know you've mentioned stuff there that we need to be aware of with those guys 
But is there anything prescription wise that would change for those to to to, set, to save them from from themselves to a certain extent when it comes to ISOs? Yeah, it's it's that repetition duration reserve again. Um, again, that's it's a blanket rule, but there's no reason. Oh, look, I'll, I'll be honest. Some people I will do, you know, push up, and even in this course, you'll see some um, examples of programs where. I've gone and pushed up to that 50% repetition duration reserve, 60% repetition duration reserve, or I push that boat out depending on what time of the year it is in the cycle and also depending on the athlete itself. So um, there are occasions when I do, but then there's a blanket rule. Um, not a rule, I shouldn't say a rule, but there's a blanket, I guess, um, uh, way of doing this type of training to, to maximise stimulus and recovery off the back of it. So, um, and that, so you'll see like some of my, the holding times that I suggest might only be up to eight seconds, for example, right? So I, I suggest holding times between four to eight seconds. I have 16 to 48 seconds in total duration for a heavy workout, but then there's 30 to 90 seconds of holding for a lighter workout. And though, although I've done four to eight seconds, it's pretty easy to see that four to eight seconds into 90 seconds means you're doing a hell of a lot of reps. So that's not the case then. That 30 to 90 seconds with lighter loads would mean that, yeah, you might be holding for a 30-second load, like um, Keith Barr will talk about as well in his isometrics, you know. So there are avenues where you might change the loading. But in general, the, the thought process around run-specific isometrics is high stimulus, rapid fatigue. Uh, rapid, sorry, rapid recovery. High stimulus, rapid recovery, do your sporting event, do it again, multiple stimuli through the week, and so on. So that's that's the key with it. So again, with these fast twitch guys, keeping right really, really strict on your repetition duration reserve um, around that 10 to 20% mark and not um, doing excessive volume. So sticking with the prescription um, prescriptions I've, I've put down and, and highlighted before. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Pacey Performance Bite Size. So as I said, this clip came from episode number 392 with Alex Natera, and you can find that on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to Rock Daisy for sponsoring this episode today, and I'll chat to you next time.